Happy Wednesday everyone, Johnny Delight here. This is the second episode of our Triple Threat this week and it's honestly incredible that we've reached 14 fucking episodes of Afternoon Delight. I am blown away. What started off as a nice wee project to get everyone through the pandemic has quickly became, as some have mentioned in the next episode and before, a therapy session. But do you know what? I'm here for it. I think five, ten years' time, I'll train as a therapist because I love talking to people, getting to know people and help them through stuff. And they're helping me through it in return. It's a give and take. So well done to all the guests so far. We're at 14 episodes. I've loved every angle, every single episode without fail. There's not been a favourite, I would say. Um, all unique, dynamic, interesting. And thank you so much to my gorgeous best pal, Lana Lou, Alana Watson, for the episode on Monday honestly amazing you should be so proud of yourself and for the bisexual community i love you thank you so much for that okay so the second of the triple threat this week is the lovely gary roman quizman i've known gary roman quizman for quite a while um not worked too much together i think we've kept a nice dynamic that we just go and enjoy each other's nights um from what i can remember i often go bluttered absolutely drunk out my face half the time but for those that don't know this thing, Gary is a Roman quiz man, obviously by name and nature, that's worked around Edinburgh and various places which you're about to hear about. And also, just before the pandemic, had started doing drag more regularly. And you're going to hear more about that too. And it's great to know that Gary has a lot of work lined up when the f- pandemic eventually fucks off, which, with the news of a vaccine, hopefully anytime soon. Although, probably realistically, February, March. So please do give a warm welcome to the gorgeous and fantastic Gary Roman Quizman, or as you may know them, is just Gary. Like the Wednesday special, it is such a privilege to reconnect with an old friend from CC Blooms, and one of my favourite people in Edinburgh. We've got Gary Roman Quizman. Is just Gary, or? You'll have to say the other one, Gary. Please tell me. <laughs> Romina Quizman. Romina Quizman. <laughs> Welcome to your three personalities. We are here for it. How nice. are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just chilling out. Nice afternoon so far. Yeah, it's all good. Before we go into the interview, can I just say, what are those gorgeous lights in the background? Oh, yeah, they're just um, string lights. Fairy lights that I put up in the shape of sort of Christmas trees and then put bows on the top of them and... So have, yeah. you, have you got your Christmas tree up then? Yes, yeah, all decorated. I'm a big fan of Christmas. Um, oh, and, lovely. You know, I wanted to do it as soon as possible this year because, you know, cheer ourselves up a little bit. <laughs> do you know what's so funny? Because I saw a lot of people at the end of November, it was the last week of November, and posted photos of their Christmas decorations. And I was like, you know, any other year we would ridicule people, but I actually totally <laughs> got why people would. And yeah. ironically enough, me being the most loudest artist in the world at times, don't have any decorations up yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, well, do you know what? I just haven't went to Lidl and bought any Christmas decorations or even just Poundland because being an artist is right now, as you'll know, skint to the max. Um, I'm glad so, to best friend. <laughs> as Poundland is definitely my best friend. Um, you know, you'll know that from obviously my makeup, like Poundland, everything. <laughs> How 
the liability, main AMA basically owns shares in Poundland, Primark, and BM Home Bargains. That's our trio, and we're here for it. So, would you like to introduce everyone listening to Afternoon Delight to who you are? Yeah, um, well, my name is Gary, um, full time entertainer, quiz master, part time drag artist. Uh, 37-year-old, probably a bit old to be doing all this stuff, to be honest. Oh, by the way, what would we like on swearing? Because uh, I might... You swear away. I say cunt, fuck, you name it. <laughs> oh, my my uh, favourite swear word is the Tony. That's my favourite swear word. All right, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, watching the news today with the, the all the vaccine stuff has been interesting with some of them fake crying and all that stuff. Oh, it annoys me. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, born in 1983, I'm going to take you right back to the beginning. Born in 1983, and that's where the drama started. Uh, I couldn't wait to be out there, so I came out two months early. Um, three pound, one ounce I was when I was little. Told I was never going to get past the teenager, and that I'd never put weight on. Now, if you've seen me in person, you know that, you know, I smell shite. Um, <laughs> very much put weight on and overcompensated for that in a big way. Um, but yeah, I was born over in the northeast of England, so just outside Newcastle, a town called Blythe, um, known now as being potentially one of the drug capitals of the northeast, which was marvellous. When I was seven, I moved over to Carlisle, so from the northeast to the northwest, and uh, did most of my studying and growing up there and. It was, it, it's a nice enough place. It was, it was a nice enough life for a while. Um, but did my GCSEs, my A-levels in English and art. Uh, briefly attended the Cumbria Institute of the Arts, which is where I sort of saw some different bits of how you could be creative. Um, it's a big place for drama. I didn't do drama. I went to a foundation course doing just artwork and things like that. I also didn't like it. Um, so I left pretty early. I didn't attend for very long. Um, I had other interests at the time. It was more fun to go drinking cocktails on a Tuesday afternoon than it was to attend a class about colour. And I, <laughs> that kind of explains quite a lot, really. Um, and then lost a bit of direction in my life when I was 20 and decided to go to Australia, strap wow. a bag on my back and go to Australia for, for a while. And it was one of the best things I ever did. Like just seeing different cultures, seeing different ways in which the world can work. And mm. I recommend it to anybody. If you get a chance to travel when you're a bit younger, do it because it's it will open your mind and generally make you a better person. Um, so how old were you when you went traveling? Uh, I was 20, I turned 21. I had my 21st in a working hostel. <laughs> I was working on a fruit farm for three months and I had my 21st there and yeah it was one of the best birthdays I've ever had loads of strangers around me never met these people but once you've lived with people in a dorm room with eight of you crammed in it you, you get to know people quite intimately for a while um <laughs> yeah, was, <laughs> not that intimately not like that um <laughs> but, yeah, it was, <laughs> but yeah it was it was excellent great 21st um Came back when I was still 21 and then got bar work. And that's really when the stage came into play. I was working in a bar. Um, I was a karaoke DJ. 
So oh, I was wow. getting people up to, to sing. Um, couldn't hack it for that long because there's only so many times you can hear Creedence Clearwater Revival sang badly. Um, <laughs> it was very much that kind of pub. Uh, and then I started working at Jumping Jacks, a nightclub Jumping Jacks, and where you work on the bar and you dance on the bar and on stage. And it was a 1,000 capacity nightclub. So they used to dance on stage in front of sort of 600 to 1,000 people three nights a week. Yeah, do you know it's so um, funny? Like I listen to you should listen to if you don't. I think anyone listening should definitely listen to like the party with Jodie Harsh. And it's her right. podcast interviewing sort of DJs, musicians, etc. And they've spoken a lot about sort of the eighties, nineties clubs that you could basically just get away with everything. You know, when you talk about this dancing on the bar, all I think of just because I'm sort of the nineties into two thousands, all I think of is Kyle Ugly all dancing on the bar. Yeah, and it, honestly, and I'm so envious and love that you got to experience stuff like that. It must be quite, now with what we do before COVID and when we go back to it, you know, it must be quite interesting for you to know both sides of that. It, it is, and yeah, I mean, it, it's funny that you sort of mentioned um, Coyote Ugly because it's exactly what it was. You know, a certain song would come on, the bar would basically close for three minutes and all the staff would get up and we'd be dancing. We had dance routines because... Um, the choreographed pool routines. We had the steps medley that we used to do with long white leather jackets and all kinds of stuff. And it was, yeah, it was such a, a brilliant, brilliant thing to experience. You did have people pulling on your legs saying, go down, you fat bastard, you shouldn't be dancing. You know, they wanted to see the women with their shirts tied up and, and stuff like that. It was very much that kind, of, that kind of thing. But I was always like, get fucked, I'm pride of place on this bar and I'm going to work it and I don't care. <laughs> yes, so is this like, I guess at the time, I don't really believe in this whole like straight bar, um, LGBT bar, I think sort of there's queer friendly venues and then there's sort of non-queer friendly specific yeah. venues. Was this a sort of straight bar back then? It, it kind of was. I mean, most of the, most of the staff were somewhere um, in the community, as we say, whether they were just dabbling in it because, you know, we were pissed most of the time anyway. Not while we were working, but outside of it, we were a really strong group yeah. that went out together as well. Because obviously, if you're a dancer, you want to go to other venues and go off your dance routines, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so very much that kind of people. Um, but yeah, it was predominantly a straight venue. And Carlisle didn't have a gay venue then. It, it really didn't. Um wow. Yeah, had gay nights. So, like, the bars would put on gay nights and it would be the same people turning up to this porky little bar and, and things like that. And then, I mean, we did... Carlisle did get one eventually. It's closed down now. It's called Outrageous. And that was a big sort of drag and events venue as well. Um, but, yeah, it was a strange town to, to grow up in as a young LGBT person, really. Um, yeah. Can imagine with no gay bar or no queer space yeah like yeah there wasn't back there i mean it's obviously much better now there's there's a lot of things there's um like cafes support groups all kinds of things going on but um yeah back then there was nothing That's pretty nice. slim pickings <laughs> so would you mind i ask so would you mind i ask when did you come out then obviously growing up in this environment when did you grow up, uh, come out I came out early. Again, I like to just get things out of the way. Um, I was at school and I was uh, 15. I came out, wow. to a friend, came out to a friend when I was 13. 
told my parents when I was 14, the rest of the school, I didn't really come out of the school, I was out of the school. Um, but that happened on, between GCSE and A-level cusp kind of thing. Um, it was funny though, because there was rumours about how it did it. I think it was the first person in the school to come out, and this was a secondary school with almost 2,000 students. You know, it was a big school, very big school. Hell. And um, there was these rumours that I got up, again, I don't know if they were sort of preempting how my life would go, that I got up on stage and just announced it dramatically to, <laughs> to the school. Uh, yes, I'm gay, blah, blah, blah. And the reality wasn't. Somebody asked me in a classroom and I just took that moment not to deny it. And I was like, yes, I am. And wow. some, of the lads, some of the lads were like, ugh. And all the girls were like, yeah. And then the lads quickly realised if they wanted to go out with any of those girls, they needed to be friends with me. <laughs> like a little bit of, little bit of schoolyard uh, power, really. <laughs> what so was very, it like? Were you like bullied for being gay in school then? Um, not really, because I had the backing of my family. Like parents were amazing. My brother went to the same school, and he was two years above me. Um, and yeah, he, he looked out for me a little bit, but I didn't. I was bullied before that for a lot of other things, like my weight. I've always been big. Um, and I was badly bullied by one person in particular um, right from primary school through secondary school until he got moved because um, he was just, a, yeah, we all had them. We've all encountered people like that before. Mm. Um, no, I was really lucky at school. Um, lost a few friends, a few people just stopped talking to me, but that's fine. You know, I had other people I could talk to. Um, and I think going, being in the art Sort of group of people the often artists are a bit more open-minded about things and it just yeah I just had a really good group of friends that I could rely on and hang out with and yeah it was good it was all right mm. it's, interesting. it's interesting you say that about the art and background because when I went to um, Edinburgh College of Art it was kind of unheard of not to be in the queer community it's not like <laughs> even if you weren't in the queer community you were an ally you know all the lecturers were you know talking about occasionally a lecture would get um, we'd have some drinks after class and would say oh well you know I, i'm married now to women but you know back in the day you know everyone tries that once and i was like oh my god like because obviously <laughs> me kind of level it's you're already working you're an adult essentially whereas undergrad they're a bit more like oh well you're still a student and we have to have that boundary in place but Art school always was a, oh, if you're not in the queer community, you're an ally, and if you're homophobic, you get it. Like, I mean, that was lovely about the art school. And it is true, artists are very much more open-minded and liberal. Liberal. Yeah, and I think I think you have to be. Well, everybody should be, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's why that's why asking these questions about coming out at a young age, like, I think that's really courageous of you to come out so young. I think that really inspiring, actually, because... I had the rumours flying about me being gay round about 13 because of having that feminine voice, quite skinny, quite campy, I suppose, tying around with all the girls because I got all my girls more. For me, there was a funny thing in school that everyone assumed I was gay because I hung up with women, right? <laughs> Which I always thought was ironic because if I fancied men, I'd want to hang around with men all the time, was the way I kind of, in my head at 13, thought, I don't get why they think I'm gay because if I was into men, I'd be with men all the time. But I also 
was just so scared to talk to guys. Like, I was like, oh, I'm not one of them. And if I talk to them, they'll think I fancy them because I like guys, but I don't fancy every man I've met. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's why it's honestly just so bold. Well done, you. I think that's honestly lovely to hear that you were like, no, I am. And, and it is true that people out here are going, well, are you doing? And you didn't deny it. And yeah. It's people just, mm-hmm. Sorry, people had asked before, and I'd kind of just avoided answering it anyway. Um, probably because at 13, 14, I wasn't even 100% sure. I didn't, you know, exactly. because, again, school then, there was no representation, no education around the queer community at all. There was nothing. And, you know, teachers that did know potentially before students telling you maybe don't talk about it. And you're like, oh, but what are you expecting is going to happen from that? It's certainly not going to do me any good. It's not going to help anybody else that's maybe younger than me, that's really confused about it. It's not going to help them in any way. But, um, yeah, a lot of people have said, like, I think you, you did a good thing, and I'm just like, I just, just lived my life, you know? I don't see it as a, as a big deal. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, cool. If you want to know who I am, ask me and I'll tell you. It's funny because education, like talking about EM teachers, and it's so funny you say this comment about um, teachers sort of making it comments like, oh, well, maybe just don't say too much, blah, blah, blah. Um, because I had in maths, a math teacher that literally, I remember they were talking at CC Blooms one night. This is years ago, right? When I was about 15. God, it feels like yesterday, but it was 10 years ago. <laughs> and I just remember with CC Blooms, then my brother used to go with his partner because her best friend was gay. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, they were like, oh, why? It, like, he said something at CC, the gay club, because he'd with his wife. Which the pupils were like, oh, isn't it a gay club? And I went, yes, it is. Before I can even finish why, because my brother was going, because I only knew that from my brother, this math teacher went, oh! And I just remember sitting there being like, what? <laughs> no, but I remember going, what did I do? Because back when I was young, I was very much naive. I was like, oh, I see the best in people, and oh, what did I do? And everyone was like, oh, Jordan, are you gay? Have you been CCs? And I went, do I look like I would get into CCs? I looked about 10. Like, I was so young looking back then. Like, honestly. You should get in now, to be fair. <laughs> and the week, why do you think I started drag? It wasn't it to be a drag queen. It was to get into clubs with the ID. <laughs> but it was so horrible. And I remember thinking to myself, he was quite a nice math teacher that was married. And I thought, why has he done this? And then my other math teacher, you know, uh, no, two years on, I saw him in Planet one night, and he was like, oh, I didn't know you were gay, and I was like, yeah, and he went, I'll come here with my wife all the time, I was like, right, and I remember in class, someone said, oh, um, like, something homophobic to me in class, and I just went, well, here it comes, and he went through them, and oh, turned around and was like, you don't talk like that about people that are from the queer community, I go there with my wife every weekend, and they're my friends, and everyone shot themselves, because he was quite a lad's lad, but he went through them, and he kind of just smirked at me, and I was like, wait, thank you. Because the band in the pub, and he obviously was my teacher, it was a bit more weird dynamic. But this is what I mean, like, I would have thought he, being the kind of jack the lad, I thought he won't say anything. And the other one was quite liberal, so I thought he'll be like, no, no. And you shouldn't judge people, do you know what I mean? But teachers can, teachers can honestly just really make or break people. It's funny, because I've went back to singing. I haven't sung since I was, like, 16, properly. I've went back with a singing teacher, doing it now in drag, what I'm trying to pursue this. 
And she had said to me, why I wasn't going back after some years. And I was like, oh, because my singing teacher at high school just ridiculed me to the point that I didn't want to do this anymore. It made me feel like I was terrible. Do you know what I mean? And she was like, oh, I don't know why they can do that. And I went, I teach now in other stuff. And some teachers think it's a great way of drafting to get students to push themselves. And I'm like, no. Like, it just isn't yeah. it. Lasting yeah. damage. You can push people in a certain way that will encourage performance and will encourage them to get better. But if you're going to knock somebody down and hope that they get better, no, no. You need to you need to build on on security and not highlighting their insecurities about things. Um, yeah, I, I mean, respect to teachers. They, whew, I mean, hard job, but some of them really don't do it right. I mean, couple of them. one PE teacher in particular. Oh, always a PE teacher. Sorry. Like. I used to play rugby at school, and wow. you know, and I loved it. It was brilliant. And then when it was official that I was out, um, it it got difficult to play sport because of a particular teacher. Um, so I gave that up. I would have loved to have pushed rugby really far and gotten into it properly, but I gave up because a rugby teacher telling the other players to tackle you hard as an example <laughs> was not great. <laughs> Honestly, there's just absolutely no need for it. So what so, happened? Yeah. What happened after what you lagged in your bit, what did you say? You lagged I think, I think bit, it probably oh, cool. Um, I'll edit it out, don't worry. So, what happened after where's me jumping Jackson? Well, I got the um, choreographer job, the dance captain job, very briefly um, there and loved that. And so, coming up with routines for Girls Aloud songs, I did biology, was probably the first routine that I put together um, to go on stage. Unfortunately, it never did because um, I ended up leaving because I got a, a different job, but I started as a Christmas temp at a game, the computer game shop, video game shop. Um, and then that was bringing me money and I was enjoying having money and stuff like that. So, and bar work, as much as it was sociable, it was dangerous. It, was, it wasn't healthy then because again, we were party animals. We, we caned it hard. We'd go, when we weren't working, we'd be two day partying and then back at work oh. and then a drink after work. And it just, yeah, it wasn't healthy at all. It wasn't great. Uh, loved it. Wouldn't, couldn't do it now. Far too old. Um, but yeah, I started working again and then within, well, after the Christmas period, they kept me on. And then within a year and a half, I'd gone from Christmas temp to store manager and I got wow. me all Um I ended up running the shop in Gretna. Gretna Gateway Outlet Village, lovely little place. Oh, your cat's back. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've, I've worked for Gem for 10 years. It was why I ended up moving to Edinburgh as well. Um, I got a, got a job with, um, with them doing management training. So I used to travel around Scotland selecting... Um, workers that were potential managers of stores and then putting them through a training program and working with an office and HR and, and stuff like that. So I really got into that, was driving around all over the place, like from Carlisle to Elgin, 
<laughs> That's to, amazing. It was, it was good. It was nice as well. And again, it was uh, an opportunity for me to pull people out of their comfort zone a little bit and, mm-hmm. and develop people. And that sort of carried over into some of my performances that I do now, really. I'll come back to that. Yes. Um, but yeah, then game ended, not in the best possible way. Um, I did get let go. They'd moved me from different stores and all over the place. Um, because I was at the St. James Centre, the old one. Mm-hmm. And then I negotiated these rental terms and everything for a brand new shop at the St. James Centre. And then they decided not to make me the manager of that shop and moved me out somewhere else. So they moved me out to Falconet and it was just impractical. And then something else happened and that finished. So at that point, I was like, oh, I don't have a job for the first time since I was 16. What do I do? And I had no idea and wasn't bringing any in. I'd never applied for job seekers or anything before, and it was all just really strange. Um, and then I got a job at Calendar Club, selling calendars. That was fine. And then I opened a pub with my friend, and it was just around the corner, Boundary, on Leith Walk. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Together for two years, three years. Um, and that's where the quizzes came in. Uh, uh, yeah, I started hosting a quiz there every Friday and they were busy. It was the only thing really that kept that business going for as long as it did. I remember Boundary, that was, um, yeah. I mean, I don't even think I ever came in actually, but when no, we did that, that was the problem. <laughs> no, but I, I had a big thing about going to pubs though, because I was so nervous about going to pubs, but I didn't, I don't think for the whole two years that I was, like, was 18, up until I was 20, I don't think I ever actually went to anywhere apart from Planet, CTs, Chalkies and Sheep. Even oh, Hive, even Hive, I DJ'd at Hive, but that was literally the only time I went because I was too scared to go. Yeah. Um, it's so funny, I'm not going with a tangent, but I just want, I've got a couple of points I want to make just because I was listening and taking all that mm-hmm. in it. So when you see Choreograph Biology, my girl's love, jokes are really funny. My show I've done this year, in January called The Honeymoon Period, we did, this was honestly one of the funniest Best things I ever did in my whole practice that is so random and you wouldn't expect. We had the show was me, my friend Sarah, and Bonna Love. So Bonna was a physio for half the show and a doctor called Dr. Jones for half the show. And we did Dr. Jones by Aqua, of course, as a duet. And in the opening to the second half, it was Biology by Girls Loud. And in the show, Haley has arrived at Newcastle to do all through the lung transplant assessment. So Dr. Jones comes on and does this dance routine that I choreographed using the YouTube video by Girls Aloud, obviously. <laughs> and then Sarah came on my coffee, got my cappuccino to go, started doing it. Uh-huh. And then I came on and was like, what's going on? They finished it, we do it together. And then Dr. Jones was, and now do you understand how a long transplant works, Haley? And I was like, and the audience just went bits of hysterics because they were like, is that what that was meant to be? <laughs> and, and to this day, honestly, it is one of those things that we were in rehearsal, a rehearsal room that I and they were like, right, what songs are we doing? I'm like, we're doing Biology Girls Live. I'm not, I'm barely in it till the end, but we're going to have to choreograph it using the video. And they were like, have you ever choreographed it? And they went, no, but why not? Let's try it. Mm-hmm. And it was honestly, my, I think one of my favourite moments from that show was that. Just it was so fun, silly. Um, and I think that line of, do you understand how transplant works now? And everyone being like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but um, but yeah, and further to that, game. Now this is interesting. 
Did you ever work in the ocean terminal game? Um, briefly, I went down there and covered, and I had um, a trainee on the management course at one point, so I did spend a few times down there. Um, Were you ever in the shop? Yes. Like working on the towels? I'm so sure I bought a game off you when I was like 15. Oh, really? Because I remember when I met you, I was like, I recognise you somewhere. I don't know where, I go and met years ago. And honestly, I'm so convinced that you sold me a gaming game one day for like Christmas. It was around Christmas time as well, I'm pretty sure, because I never shopped in game, but when I did, it was usually for someone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not a gamer, like, obviously, I love people that are, but I just never really, I can't get into it, I have the bad concentration. Um, but I, it, it's just so funny, because I just thought, Gary did work in game, and one of my friends used to work in game as a sales assistant, so, you know, mm. very interesting. Um, so, quizzes, right? So, what got you? Obviously, Boundary Bar, one of them, but what you kind of is your main passion and got you into being Gary Rooney Quizman? I mean, it was never something I'd ever thought of, but when we needed something to do in, in Boundary and it was something we could do, um, didn't expect it to. I mean, the quizzes were very different back then. They were rough. It was they, they weren't great. <laughs> what do you mean they were rough? Tell me. What do you mean by rough? Just because I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have any experience in that. I mean, I could be on a microphone, no problem. I'd done that plenty of times before. Yeah. But it's still nerve wracking, you know, because you think, right, I've done these questions, or at the time back then, it was I googled these questions. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was, you know, I was, oh, hang on, Google's just started talking to me as well. My little nest just piped up there. Shut up, totally <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was, it was very hastily put together. I was trying to call run a pub and do this, this quiz and everything else that came with the bar and, and trying to do that. Um, <clears throat> and it was when... It was when the bar closed um, that the quizzes became a viable option for something for me to do properly. Yeah. Um, and I, I was sitting again without a job this time, not knowing where money was going to come from or, or whatever. And I saw a post put up by a lovely woman called Jane at the Pond. And I'd just come away from Boundary, struggling with the bar and struggling with everything else. And she posted the exact same thing that I was going through about the pond. I'm right. struggling. It's okay. not busy enough. I think I'm going to have to close it. And I was like, right, I've never, never met the woman. Don't know what's going to happen. But I'll drop a message. So I messaged the pond and was like, I've got a quiz that I can bring you on a Friday night that I can guarantee will be busy if you want it. Not thinking anything would happen, but I was like, let's take a chance, let's just do it because I can't lose anything. And I was literally about to say at this point what you got to lose, do you know what I mean? Exactly, there was nothing, you know, and because of the way things had finished a game, it was, it, it was challenging to apply for a different job, and you know, it was all of, all of this thing. And um, yeah, I went down for a meeting with Jane, and she was like, yeah, we'll, we'll try it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a go, maybe a fortnightly on a Friday. I was like, cool, excellent. This is how much I would like to be paid for it, if that's okay. And, you know, going low at the time, because <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'm just keen to do something. Yeah. Um, and then we had the first one, and 
that I could have basically just lifted boundary bar and put it in the pond. Because at the time, the boundary bar was a two-week waiting list to play the quiz. Wow, that's incredible. Well done, you. And then, that's yeah, the, the pond started the ball rolling. It wasn't long before I got the beer hoose, which is funny enough what boundary bar used to be. It's a beer hoose now. Um, and I'm still hosting quizzes in there to this day. Um, that's brilliant. But yeah, I got that, then CC's, then the old Chain Pierre, then the Lord Nelson, and then just different venues were, were popping up. And then that was it. Thought, right, I better make this a business. Let's declare it and make it all above board. So <laughs> that's, that's what. That's amazing. Yeah. And Here it's, I so, am. it's so funny because uh, I like just to give people examples. So my favourite quiz I ever did was the one that you put together just for me, basically, which is very sweet of you. Sex in the City. Sex <laughs> in the City at Bar Bread. And um, was it Bar Bread? It was, yeah. Yep, down at the bottom of his walk. And, I mean, there were three teams. I don't think one of them had even planned to kind of do it, but they were like, why not? Very, very but, quiet, that one. But I remember sitting and like, we are going to win this. And then it got to the end, we didn't. Did we win? I don't think we did. And I got so you did it. win. You did did win. I win? Oh, did I, did I win? Right, okay. And we yep. won. And it was the last question was the quote from the, like, closing episode with yep. the, like, and that's just fabulous. But I was like, right, so that'll be, well, that's just fabulous. And you were like, it was the whole quote. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just the last line. <laughs> like, I'm such a typical, like, Aquarius and Gemini rising. I'm like, this is what it was been. Oh, it wasn't. Like, but... I remember doing it and being like, this was so much fun, but I just really respected that you'd put a Facebook finder, like, what quizzes would you like to see, which is great that you do that market research, but a lot of people just do it once. I mean, entertainers just yeah. go, I want to do this, cool. Like, I remember when I, when I had to host a pub quiz at the Three Sisters, the drag race, and, oh my God, it was like, as much as, you know, in theory, it was good, but they didn't anticipate how many bookings it would be, because it's a huge Three Sisters, Two floors, the mics weren't hearing me upstairs, so Amy's running upstairs up and down the heels. Luckily, she can do that, I can See, like, she's running up and down, like, right, this is the question, right, this is the question. I felt sorry for her. She just gave her a line of speech, she'd been fine, do you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> and she honestly, like, it was such, it was fun. And then I saw you there, and you ended up, I like giving you shout out for your work, which was great. And it, it's like nice in theory, but I think it's great that you put the feeler out there, with, which is what would people like to do? That's yeah. the more cheating artistic practice that I think people sometimes need to do like I've never really ran a night I've went oh I want to do this like I've not like I've been like okay what do people like what would people want what about my friends that are my age friends that are older and friends that are students said to me oh I really wish this would happen I can try and manifest and create for them and that's what you need to do with your quizzes I think that you do well that you go like what do people want to do and I've just always for years been like oh that was so lovely Gary did that quiz even though I was like <laughs> but it was great it was fun and um yeah so kind of next question then to lead up to the pandemic what were you doing regularly before miss rona decided to make an appearance oh man um i was actually at my busiest point like wow. it, it was it was perfect as well because i've had some quizzes that i was doing that were were quiet and they just weren't taking off after a couple of years it was just a bit meh um, but then something had happened this year at the start of this year where everything was just like right all of your quizzes are going to be busy this is what we're going to have to do blah 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 and I had 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday quizzes, a Sunday quiz. I was just starting a children's quiz on a Sunday afternoon at these arches. It's nice. It's nice. And started getting these little like regulars come in and the kids were getting more and more confident around me. So they're just like, what have you got this time? Like before the quiz started and stuff. It was just lovely. Um, and we were going to start that again when we had that little break in the middle of this whole thing where pubs opened. Yeah, up. I remember and, that, yeah. We and I was back call out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was back to like seven quizzes a week. Um, <laughs> and it was, yeah, I was really busy. And then I had Leith is a Cabaret as well. I just started that show at Leith Arches. We'd only done one before it had all happened, but we had 100 tickets and it sold out within a week. And it was just, yeah, it was brilliant. That's good. That was going to be a regular thing once a month. And we planned it again for September, but obviously things still went right in September so we couldn't do it um, but yeah that's going to be an exciting project as well that I'm getting more and more stuck into It's so funny because when Leith is a Cabaret happened right I remember this so vividly right Leith is a Cabaret was the same night that I did my speed dating night for Species that yeah. was an all gender and sexuality inclusive speed dating night and then I did Naughty that night and that was the last time I DJed in Species and was there because it was literally the first week of March Mm-hmm. One week later, there was all this talk because Italy was going into a really dangerous red alert area. I went to therapy. My therapist was like, how do you feel about the pandemic maybe happening? And I went, what pandemic? Because I was clueless, but then I didn't go on. I didn't like using Twitter because I got really anxious using Twitter. I think t- Twitter can be quite a positive or a very negative place to be in. And I didn't use, use it for the news. Now it's the only place I actually use the news. I just follow news places that update you on, like, Essex yeah. Party update all the time. So I never used to watch news, right? I'll just be honest and say that. And when she spoke about it in therapy, I went, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, it's in Italy. It's not here. Because, again, I was so ignorant and had no clue what was going on in the last few months. Went to the street that Friday night. Now, the reason I went to the street that Friday night is because Uni emailed me. And I'd just done a photo shoot. And it was, you know, my fetish photo shoots that you've seen where I'm the leather and the... In the oxygen nasal plugs. I'd done that, got out of drag, was like, right, what am I going to do? Should I go print these photos? Like, we've done. And we got a le- an email from all the lecture, uh, lecturers. Um, everyone's to grab all their artwork and take it home because it'll be shut as of Monday. And I went, why? And I read this email, like, why? And it said, till the end of May. And I went, it's March. So I mean, a lockdown's coming. It must be coming. The government must have de-warned everyone. So I, that night, was like, Susie, she was picking me up. We were going to have a couple of drinks in my house. I went, right, six bottles of wine in Sainsbury's. Loads of food <laughs> in my house. The street. She went, oh, no, I don't know if I want to. I went, you do want to, because this is going to be... And I honestly think I somehow knew, but I went, you do want to, because tonight is going to be the last night. I can go on. And she went, oh, don't be anxious. I went, I'm not anxious. I am predicting next week. So she went, I okay. Saturday, I went for a meeting I had, Cab Voltaire, we were doing House Liability. We've now luckily got a different venue, but back then we were doing it in, in Cab Vault. And me and him sat there and I was kind of like, oh, I'm really hungover. And he's like, are you all right? I went, no, I'm absolutely dead store. Like I went last night and um, I thought it was going to be last night out of Cabal Wells. And we went, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that right too, actually. I went, yeah, so fingers crossed this happens. Okay, I'm going home. And then Monday, so yeah, Trusted posted, yeah, this week we're going to lockdown. And I went, there we go. That's it. And it's yeah. so much because you had done your least cabinet that night. I was booked to do the arches and do a uh, Kevin Perry night, an 80s night. Um, I remember Carmen Blesser messaging me, love her. She's very, um, 
she's very sweet and I think she kind of was hoping for the best. She went, so are we going to do this this week? I went, I've literally just been told I've got a shield for 12 weeks. I can't claim that. She went, well, what in summer? I went, I think you're underestimating this wee bit. And she went, right, well, we'll play it by ear. I said, yeah, let's play it by ear. And then literally everyone shut. So I was like, well. Um, yeah. And I would, obviously, Carmen's great. And we've known each other for years that I would go and do those nights at the parks when it's open. I'll happily go back and one has run back to me and do all those nights yeah. there. You know I'm in my element. You know yeah. I'm in my element playing 80s and Kevin and Kevin Wade. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're loving my life. That's my ideal night. So, <laughs> um, and you know, I don't know if you feel this because obviously me and you tend to always have nights out together unexpectedly. Like, you came to my night at the Red Bar, but even then, we've always been a joy minging taste together. Like, are you not at this point? I am missing the like dirty waves that we've been going that we used to go to. I am so absolutely, absolutely. so missing the sweatiness of it all. And, yeah, I don't even want to just go and sit and have a drink in a pub anymore. I want to go out and like climb the walls and run around the ceiling. Do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah, that's the biggest miss. Any dance floor, any anywhere where the music's loud enough, I can feel it rather than hear it, and that's yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. So, what's it in in like adapting your quizzes to online and all your work to online then? Well, I mean, at the beginning. Um, it was it was strange because once pubs close, I'm like, oh, my business is shut. I have nothing. I, I don't, you know, and I was like, literally, what can I do? And then a couple of days into it, other, like other quiz companies that are in Edinburgh, full respect to them, I love every, every other quiz master in town and, you know, we all do the same job, so we've got to support each other. Uh, some of them have a lot more manpower and equipment and they hit the ground running and it was like, we're going to host a quiz live every night because we can and we're going to Twitch stream it and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Okay. Right. I can't do that for equipment reasons. Plus, I'm not going to compete with them. I'm going to let them have that because that's something that they've done and they've reacted quickly and that's fantastic. What can I do? Hmm, I wonder if anybody would want a pre-made quiz that they can play at home at their own pace. So I started putting quiz packs together, five rounds, music intro round, picture rounds on PowerPoint slideshows, all of that, that I just emailed out to people. And I was like, right, £12.50 is a, a full night of entertainment for you and your family and however many people you want to do. And I was lucky, very lucky, that I was in the right job for this pandemic at the beginning because everybody was quizzing. Everybody was quizzing at home. I was going to say everyone. My friend, uh, it got to the point that my friend um, and her partner, who live together, but his family are quite like um, very home, not conservative in the sense like Tory, just conservative as in traditional. And yeah. every night, seven o'clock to eight o'clock, I couldn't phone. They had to do this pub quiz. It was the kind of thing they did. And I was like, that's lovely that they all do that because yeah. I was like, what do you mean? How do you do that? Because I, at the beginning of the pandemic, was very much like, I don't know how I'm going to do all this. I can't do any of this. I'm so stressed. Zoom singing lessons, no. I'm not doing digital performance. I need a month to just get my head on all this. This is fucking mental. And then I went, right, fight or flight, okay, can I can do this. But at first I went, I froze and went, I can't do this. Um, even when I was doing counselling, she was like, I don't want to do them on Zoom. And I went, but she went, but I'll do them on the phone. And I went, good, because I need them right now more than ever. Um, and yeah, you're totally right. Like people were very much doing quizzes all the time. And that's, that must have been good for you. It like, was great. It was, it was brilliant. Um, it gave me that security because obviously panicking because Andy has lived the pandemic lifestyle for two years. 
um, because he can't leave the flat. He's got like, his own his own issues and, and stuff. And it was I was the person bringing in money, and then that suddenly stopped. And obviously, back at the beginning, there was no what's going to happen with self-employed. How are they going to get help? What's going to happen with the the furlough schemes and everything else? Because you know, I was one of those where, well, we all are, like most of us, we're one of those, we're those people where we have entertainment that's heavily reliant on another business, which has been hit just as hard. So the hospitality industry, you know, and it was always going to be the easiest thing for, for the government to react to is like, let's close the pubs. We'll stop people congregating there. It was it was always going to be, and it, it's kind of been the fallback that they've done even this time round. Yeah. You can open no alcohol six o'clock shut. I mean, everybody finishes work at six o'clock, so you might as well just shut them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody's okay. going to go out for a coffee after work. It doesn't happen. So no, it it's always going to be the fallback. And we, like as artists, we all had to to think, where's where's the income going to come from? And it was terrifying. But then I made like with that, I was lucky enough earlier on. It's not this way now. It's it's a struggle again now because people are all quizzed out. They're fucking sick of them. They don't. <laughs> they're sick of seeing the family on a weekly basis to ask them questions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah I get that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it allowed me to cover the basics. So I was like, right, I've made enough in my first month to cover my share of the rent for three months. Perfect. That was good. I'm really so happy to hear you. I knew I had a roof for three months at least. That was that was all I was concerned about, making sure me and Andy were okay and we had somewhere to live. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then after that, trickled off a little bit. Things started to change. But then we had, just as money was getting to be an issue, the pubs opened again. I was like, ooh, I'm back at work. And then four weeks, I was back at work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was like, everywhere. You know, seven quizzes a week over six days. And it was it was great. And then they changed it again. <laughs> Denny, it's honestly like, it was such a farce, just how... I understand that obviously, you know, no government was going to get this 110% right. And I've said this to a lot of people because I've had English people on the like um, podcast. I've got someone in Australia in the new year doing the podcast. Like, it's going to be interesting to compare notes. But I have felt like, you know, mistakes have been made. And I wrote this on Facebook last week that when they announced the vaccine, that mistakes have been made, and we need to remember these mistakes if this does happen again because something like this could easily happen. Our like, and our virus could go out. And what's to say it would be twice as fucking strong and worse? You know what I mean? And I was like, these mistakes really can be made again. Because as much as it's easy for us to say it's a struggle for us financially, it has for both of us. But people lost family and friends yeah. to COVID. Not even just illness that I lost a friend to CF this year, but people have lost to COVID. And when I saw things on Twitter, like jokes about COVID, that I, I just went, I can't keep looking at Twitter right now because I kept thinking about my friend who's uncle had died of COVID and thought yeah. I wouldn't find that fucking funny if you were talking about virus that killed my uncle. Like, it's a difficult one. And I think just they need to think about this and remind, it's like every everything in life, unfortunately, is like blessing good or bad. And they need to remember that in the future if this happens again. Um, and I'm so glad financially that, that you had those moments to be of help because 
I was in such a shattered position that I had, for my own reasons, right, I had always kept savings. Mm -hmm. I'd saved up every month because I'm very good with spending money sometimes that I'd had savings. The reason I did that was because being disabled, potentially needing a long transplant and having a Tory government that introduced PIP and cut people's benefits, I had to have an egg in case anything happened. And, you know, I come from a working class family that my mum would have gave me money, but then she'd be taking a loan out with interest. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want that. So I'd always done that. And then when I went to go for the self-employed grant, I had too much savings. So I wasn't allowed to get a self-employed grant. And I went, right, okay. So I had to live off my savings for four months. You know, this isn't a woe is me, I had savings. It's more of a, well, I had to do that in order to live. Like you're saying, you had that three months. You went three months to live, right, my rent's paid, that's it. I was the same. I was like, right, I'm covered for four months. After that, I am me. And yeah. like the last two months, I had struggled. I was lucky that I did get a bit of work professionally doing things like DJing private parties on Zoom and stuff, which was great. Yeah. Was it enough? It was enough to live, not to, you know, I wasn't living my lifestyle with the pandemic, which is gave me a, <laughs> but it's gave me a, pers a perspective on, well, what did I actually need from life? Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I'm so glad you got, I'm so glad you got that work. Um, and leading on to that, you know, like what, so how have you managed to cope? Because obviously I know that the pandemic hit me hard, it hit everyone hard and spoken to it, it's a universal thing, but especially having a partner that was going through struggles, you know, how have you found coping the last months and have you got any bits of advice you've offered to people? Um, oh, now that question. <laughs> There's, I think I've been in a unique position in terms of the level at which I've had to deal with different things. So yes, there's the work side of it, and that's fine. The home side of it, I, I, it was funny, I was actually discussing this with, with, with Andy before, and I was like, I said, I asked him, is there anything that you don't want me to talk about on, on the podcast, just in case? And he was like, no, I don't hide anything. Because he, he's much like me, but just like, nah, just talk about it, because if other people can benefit from it, then do it. That's healthy. Yeah, you know, it really is. And I really uh, respect both of you for that. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, being around a bit more and being at home and watching how life in general affects him. And it, it's not COVID-related. It's not because of that. You know, it's actually, it'll be two years on Christmas Day since something happened in Andy's head and he just snapped and it was, it kind of, stopped him completely he went back to work in the January for a, a few days after it happened and an ambulance was out because he just collapsed and it, it was all anxiety PTSD and, and, and stuff like that it was that severe ambulances were called and we, we me being at home watching that and like watching how the, he couldn't go out anywhere, but he'd sometimes go to the shop, he'd push himself and get showered, get ready, go out, go to the shop, pick up a few bits and come back. And he could manage it. Now it's go to the shop. If, if you absolutely have to, you can go out to the shop, but it's a, a bigger issue because now you've got to be careful what you're touching, what you're, who are you talking to? Why don't these people in this corner shop have a mask on? What What is, you know? I get and that, it yeah. Heightens it and watching that and watching how he can't get up some days. You know, I mean, we, to be totally honest, we haven't slept in the same place for 
it'll be about a year now because he will panic when he's in bed trying to sleep. Um, every mouthful of food is going to be the mouthful of food that kills him. You know, it's it's that level that, that we're, we're dealing with. And he sleeps on the sofa in the living room. That's like his bedroom. And I've got the office and my bed in this room that, we're, that you can see now with the lights on the wall. Um, and <laughs> that's, that's how we live. And some days I, I can't do anything with him. I, I, you know, I mean, I have to get things for him. I clean up and I, I, I do stuff like that. But I, uh, there's nothing I can do to help him. And this past six months, well, it's not now, is it? It's like 10, <laughs> yeah. however many months it is. It sort of hit home how much I probably needed to be there more for him in the past. Well, I haven't been, but I've been so busy. I'm still busy now. I get up. No, seven o'clock every morning. I'm at work from eight until like ten o'clock. Eight in the morning until ten o'clock at night. And you know, I'm not. It doesn't bring me any money. But if I convince myself if I'm doing that work, I'm okay. <laughs> so that's like my coping mechanism: throwing myself fully into work. And it's a common one. It's a common one that a lot on this podcast. We're at episode fourteen now, and I've had maybe thirty to forty percent of people say that doing yeah. things to keep busy, channeling it into their work. Um, and it does get really difficult because I used to be like that before the pandemic happened, before January. And then I kind of went, I'm going to reinvent my whole life in January. Move, like lived on my own. My flatmate moved out. I needed to just really be with myself to, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and being able to sort of find other things now that aren't, you know, I was very bad for distracting myself all the time. I didn't want to deal with my problems. But I think a lot of people genuinely actually just need they're very good at dealing, allocating time, but they need something to keep them busy because if you constantly spend your time with anything that's not going well, it absorbs you and you end up becoming it all the time. And it's horrible. Yeah. And it's it's really commendable for both of you going through that to both be dealing with it because, you know, I live on my own now and I live in a codependent sort of relationship with a flatmate that we were both going through bad points and sometimes helping, but sometimes feeding into that. And it's never easy, especially talking to couples, actually, because I've had two people on who are in relationships, and now third being you, that live with a partner. And one of them at one point said to me, you know, oh, Jordi, this isn't on our podcast episode, but you're like, Jordi, I don't know if we're going to stay together because we keep arguing. And I was like, why would you think that? And they were like, oh, but we're, we're together 24 fucking seven arguing. And I went, yeah but you would never be together 24-7 in a normal everyday life setting because no one wants to be with someone 24-7. It's not a thing humans can process. It's um, yeah, riding that out, definitely. Um, so what kind of things... Sorry, go on. No, no, so like you've obviously been channeling into work and making sure you're busy and stuff, but like, you know, is there any other things that you've been doing to manage just because you said you've got um, a new perspective now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um... I did actually like um, get back into video gaming again because I'd always been so busy that I didn't do it. And I worked a game for a reason, you know, I, I love playing games. Um, and there was two in particular that came out near the start of the whole thing, the start of lockdown. There was Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch where you build, <laughs> build your own island and you live there and you communicate with your islanders and it was like, total removal from your own brain i have a different persona to live on this island somewhere else and it's it sometimes rains but it's mostly sunny and it's like it was just 
perfect escapism. That's the one with Tom Nook, yeah. isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got so many people who have been on this podcast. None of them have spoken about it. Thank you for inviting me to bring it up. That so <laughs> many of them play Animal Crossing. And yeah. I dated in July. It was the end. We were virtually dating in July. And then we were in person dating in August, but it was loud. Dated a guy that was a gamer that I absolutely fancied the fucking pants off of. Um, and it, he was going back to Lancashire, so it just wasn't going to happen. And you know, in an ideal world, yeah, I would have happily went down and had a student boyfriend. It wouldn't have bothered me. I'm, I was still studying and stuff, but I didn't really want to risk getting a train every weekend and breaking, which now our tears were stunned. I mean, it, it was not going to be a feasible thing. Maybe after a vaccine, who knows? Let's see what happens. But, you know, um, but yeah, that Animal Crossing, very popular. <laughs> huge, huge. And, um, you know, it's a daily thing. There's things that you have to do every single day. And I still pick it up like if I get up at half six I stay in bed till seven because I'm doing Animal Crossing and checking my emails do you know what I mean <laughs> um and then the other one was total um like retro remake it was a Final Fantasy 7 remake on oh lovely okay oh god I mean it was one of my favorite games growing up and then to see it all new and oh god I was just in my element I was like, I hate the fact that I'm actually so busy just now because I want to be playing that. <laughs> That's actually really lovely, though, because you know what? During the pandemic, I've been, like, uh, re-engaging with a lot of my roots and sort of what things I liked as a kid that make you feel a bit more comfortable at home. And that's <laughs> lovely because stuff like that, honestly, does make you feel happy. Like, when Disney Plus came out, I binged The Simpsons 24 fucking 7 so much. <laughs> so much that I ended up now becoming the Mars Simpson a drag. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally. Like, I love that. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I literally got my, in fact, I've got my Mars Simpson month, literally right now. <laughs> yeah, I've watched all 31 seasons myself. So yeah, I'm uh, oh. all the way through it now. Yeah. And that episode where she was on drag, where her and RuPaul did <laughs> drag, that was iconic. Oh my God. It's like when she says to her, like, why are you still bitter, Helen? Is it because your husband would rather play with his toy trains than you? Oh, and I was like, oh my God. Like, and it was like, all aboard, not Helen. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, it was something I needed. I cried as they laughed. I think I watched it repeatedly for 22 that time. So, like, um, so kind of before the pandemic, you were obviously doing drag as well as quizzes. So, yeah. Can you talk about your drag persona and what kind of what 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 made you want to get into drag? Because drag is when I had your jazz on the first episode, we were talking about how we kind of fell into drag, which is what the quizzes are kind of what I would hear from you really is we kind of fell into these things. And um, but what now drag is so popular and quite good to do and everyone enjoys it. What made you kind of decide to go into drag? How old were you in the year two thousand? Just to ask. Five year old. I was in drag when you were five. Were you? I didn't know that, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, tell me a, more, tell me more. Well, it started again working the in a bar which had the gay nights. Um, okay. <laughs> those classics. Okay. Um, and working them, and it was something to do behind the bar that people loved. And it was, I mean, drag back then, drag race wasn't a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, people knew who Rupert. Paul was but the singer, supermodel, the world, yeah. yeah. It was that kind of thing, but not really what what drag was about. So it was very much the Dame Edna and Lily Savage oh, yeah. kind of thing. And my drag persona back then was it was Dolly Parton. It was just like tits out here, massive blonde, curly hair, tiny denim mini skirt. You know, it was that kind of thing. Um <laughs> 
I love and that. Obviously, obviously, getting into retail, there's not much call for it. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't do it again for a very long time. Um, but again, it was because they're doing it now. It was because of the pond, and um, obviously, drag me to the pond, the second oldest drag show in Edinburgh, or it was. The pond is no more, unfortunately. Yeah, Phil Heron was on and talked about Dramatic Pond as well. So it's yeah. great to have you yeah. both on talking about it now. It was it was such a a good show. Like obviously, Sinestro was running it at the time, and then um, passed that book on to River, and River sort of took over with that. And <clears throat> that was when I kind of got involved. I was like, do you know what? I want I want to try it. I, I I need to have that creative outlet again, and I didn't ever do it wanting to get fame from it or be known for my drag as such it was just i want to i want to have fun and entertain people so the first ever performance at the pond it was actually me and phil uh doing you're the other one that i want from greece oh amazing yeah i remember so, that i saw a video yeah drag queen, drag queen role reversals on, on that and it was, <laughs> it was brilliant it was it was a lot of fun i mean i was shitting myself so nervous oh yeah but it was so much fun, and then I we all got drunk, so it was fine. <laughs> that, to be fair, that's every drag night in Edinburgh. <laughs> I, after six years, I, I think when I returned in house liability, I'll need to make sure I don't get too pissed before I sing because uh, <laughs> singing drunk, singing drunk can either be fine if you're what you spin, or it can be, you know, Kerikatona, and that's totally fine. You know, um, I love Kerikatona. She follows me on Twitter, but it, it just. Um, yeah, I totally get what you mean. Like, you're, you know, we drink cannoners, every artist does that. Any artist that would listen to go, oh, you have a drink for a show, that's terrible. Like, Wasted Youth, my first show, I had a rave, there was a rave scene that I did, and it was quite a sad reason why, but I knew this rave scene that came on. Hope no one from uh, the Nether Post listening to this. <laughs> but everyone was like, came on, looks like somebody, that rave scene, fucking fantastic. We were proper going for it. And I went, that's because I was half cut. <laughs> <laughs> and the behind backstage, every time there was an interview, I was like, have a wee glass of Prosecco, have a wee shot. Like, he was like, the race, he like, yes. And I had this empty can, or so they thought, of gin that I was drinking at the rave. And honestly, like, but again, like any kind of performer, like, like for me to tibble before the show, and that's totally good. And it's funny, because me and Phil, you did do the one I want. Me and Phil for Mix Up Fear, it was so cute. It was a sweet fear thing I did for my friend Stuart. And the kids were doing the Grease Mega Mix on Zoom, and it was so cute. And me and Phil done the summer loving, like at the end. And I mean, I was just so fortunate that I actually have a Greece t-shirt I've worn maybe once in my life. But it was like a sort of t-shirt dress. So I wore that. Didn't look anything like Sandy at all, but I wore that. And it was really sweet. And you know, Greece obviously everyone loves Greece. As much as it can tend to be a bit problematic at points, it is lovely to still watch for nostalgia. And um, I remember seeing that video, my favorite performance I ever saw you do though. And I can never for the life of me remember what it's called, but I told my friend about it who loves YouTube. Was that Disney one you did? Uh, was Get. Oh, the four costume changes in one five minute track thing. Yeah. I <laughs> thought that was hilarious and I loved it so much. That was, yeah, do you know when you get a vision of something in your head and you think, oh, that's what I'm going to do and that's what it's going to be? And then on the night itself, oh God, it just it fell apart, but it was such good fun. It was a Disney themed show. And I'd heard those songs, like the the songs that what happens after the he uh, happily ever after, yeah. and there's a like Jack Paints on YouTube, and uh, yeah, it was <laughs> that, that was a 
Great. I was pleased at how well it came off, like, because it was just bits of fabric wrapped around me that tore away. But one of them tore away like three points too early. So I was having to hold on to it at the back and then change wigs at the same time and using props and things like that. Because I had my mermaid's tail when I was aerial and oh, it was it was mad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do a lot of funny stuff in drag. I'm definitely more suited to a host's role. That's yes, why started the Leith is a cabaret thing. Yeah. Um, my performances aren't polished. I, I don't try to make them that polished. If I can make people laugh, brilliant. The main thing I try to do with them, and what happened at the pond on more than one occasion, is making people think about things. And one of them, I just had some bad health news. Obviously, Andy was going through his stuff as well. And... I was just in black jeans, a black shirt, a top hat, and minimal makeup. And it was like an androgynous thing. And I did a slow version of Olive's You're Not Alone. And halfway through, I was crying. Customers were crying. Staff were crying. It was just like, it, it, some people walked out because it was too difficult for them to deal with. But at that point, I walked away from that performance and I was like, well, that was rough. But... I'm proud that I've forced somebody to walk out because they couldn't handle it. I want to challenge people with performances as well. So yes, have a laugh, make people laugh, that's brilliant. But push it. And Noah, I did, um, again, about like mental health and I keep referring back to Andy because it was the hardest times I've been with him. And it was, um, I did Noah Cyrus, Lonely, where oh, yeah. I just sat on a chair and lip-synced my way through this song. And somebody came to one of my quizzes a week later after that performance, and they they thanked me for the performance. They'd signed up for therapy because of it, because they realised they were going through stuff that they hadn't tackled before, and that they'd had the song on repeat for a week. So I've helped Noah Cyrus make some cash, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but helping people and pushing people to, to face their inner demons and face things like that through performances is something that I'm very keen on. I never want to make money from it. Um, as you know, when I've been arranging the, the one that I was meant to do last week, but then it just wasn't looking like it was going to be very popular and I'm not going to put people's performances out there to the two-bit crowd. I want people to see artists that put their work together. Um, yeah, I don't want paid for this stuff. It's charity or artists. It's it's not for me. Those, those events aren't for me to benefit from. I want people to see art and see other people create art and be pushed to see something maybe they've never watched before. I know I've got friends out there that have not once seen a drag act. And I'm like, come on, like you need to. It's not just RuPaul, not just Drag Race, because you, mean, yeah. you can watch Drag Race and think all drag queens are bitchy motherfuckers and you know, they're, they're just, they have to look perfect. No, 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 no. Let me challenge you with some of the best performances I've ever seen from some people that do not know how to do makeup. They look shit, but you'll feel good after watching them. You know, that's, that's, yeah. I get you. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I get you. It's, it, we just have a lot in common, me and you, actually, because, like, the shows I've done, you know, obviously, I, I did lip line for years. I'm now doing House Liability to come back, which is, we're kind of the slapstick comedy of drag. We, we have a nice basis, there's always a concept, but we're not there to be glamorous and lip-synced. 
uh, you know, a song that's quite came out this year. I'm like, it's just not us. We're not that style. We've got Emil Moore for fuck's sake. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, we've got, we have, we've got Emil Moore and Gummer between the two of them. That's just the, the best, but also most funny drag you can get. Um, <laughs> but with me, it has often been like, um, obviously for the house of the last month, I've done Gypsy by Fleet Mac, but I've done the American Horror Story version. And then for this month, the Christmas show, I'm doing River by Joni Mitchell, which is a very sad Christmas song. But I was like, they all want to do uplifting, fun stuff. I was mm. like, well, I'm going to do the one that's depressing because I can sing it. And also, people are quite depressed this year at Christmas. It's nice to have that movie that they can all be really and then get back to sort of, right, that's good, got that out now. Um, and when I did Wasted Youth, like, it's, so it was on a Wednesday night, my first ever, like, solo show, Wasted Youth. And a lot of people can come. It did basically not sell out. If it were two tickets off selling out, which is amazing for my first show. But a lot of people could make it because it was a Wednesday night. I did it on a Wednesday night because it was the cheapest one I could get from the higher yeah. venue. Because they won't, I now know them, so they'll give me a good deal. But before, like, maybe I had sold two tickets and they've lost the profit. Yeah. But I remember, you know, throughout the whole show, everyone was like, what's about Jordan Hans here? But Jordan Hans here. And it wasn't. It was just milestones from my life told and series of performances. But at the very end, I was in therapy at the beginning, and at the very end, I was like in drag, and they were like, why are you in therapy then? Why are you here? And I'd lip sync the whole show, but at the very end, the only one line I spoke was saying that I was sexually assaulted. And a pin dropped, and everyone burst into tears. And then I don't know, I'm here from a car purple, and everyone was just in fucking floods. And everyone on the scene had went out for drinks afterwards, let's get on it with my pals. And people were coming up going, right, you did a show tonight, is it on tomorrow? And I went, uh, no, it was just a one-off thing, like it was filmed for a documentary I'm doing. And they went, oh, oh, but apparently it was incredible. And I went, oh, thank you. And they went, I need to see this because, oh, well, I just need to see it because you mentioned sexual assault. And I went, okay, well, if I do it again, <laughs> like, but yeah. no one, like my mum knew, because I told my family beforehand, because I've told my family like six months before I was doing the show, because it happened when I was 17. And I said to them, oh, you know, like, well, uh, I even went on the BBC Nine and didn't talk about it and spoke about it. But they had said to me, like, fucking hell, because the room just, again, what you're saying with this, that I didn't want to do drag and do a death drop, that's not me. I wanted to make everyone feel it, burst into tears, and then come out and go, oh, you fucker, that was a show. And yeah. that's what artists do. Like, you know, there's drag queens, and then there's drag artists, in my opinion, that there's, you know, drag queens are great, they're amazing. I am the people that can do death drop splits. I can't do it, I wish I could. But artists very much will provoke emotion and feeling. And it's great you did that, because I remember I saw a video of Androgynous one, and I did cry when I watched it, but the Disney one was just because I'm a Disney fanatic. But I do remember <laughs> seeing it, was, I saw everyone in the audience as well, yeah. crying away, and I thought, oh my God, like, I wish I'd seen this, I wish I hadn't missed this. Because I'm much more about liking the live atmosphere and taking the room in. Because I'm wanky that I think when a performance happens, you feel the energy in the room from people and yeah. you all come together in a weird way. And honestly, like, but well done you for sharing your like experiences, your performances. Because some people don't want to do it. Do you know what I mean? They just yeah. I've just I don't know what. I mean, maybe I've got this really sadistic need <laughs> to be to be noticed in any way possible but <laughs> no that's not that's not are you not are you not on the cancer zodiac are you a cancer i am yes i am I'm not saying yeah. anything <laughs> <laughs> you're ticking boxes <laughs> you must have a you must have like an aquarius moon or something because you're a bit of a rebel at heart so madonna following enough rebel heart has an aquarius that's a moon and aquarius so there you go 
So what um, are your plans when we return whenever that fucking is? Um, whenever that may be, um, yeah, I want to. I want to hit the ground running again. I want to. My quizzes are all hopefully come back. All of the venues have been in touch, and you know we've kept. I've kept in touch with them, and, and, and you know it's looking good. As long as the venues can maintain being open, um, but yeah, just I'm just going to throw myself at that properly because in that gap. Like there was so every so all six quizzes I was doing were pretty much sold out every week wow. in that four week gap that we had where everything was allowed again kind of thing. Um I mean obviously there was less seating because there was distances with tables and stuff, but the fact that they were tables were full on a weeknight, the venues were incredibly happy. Um and yeah, it, it was great. So hopefully they'll all come back. Desperate to get back into CCs. That was the only one that didn't come back in that gap. And you know that quiz is special. I've got the big, the massive screen that I use for video clips rounds and picture rounds and stuff like that. And there's just something a little bit different about that. Um, You'll feel at home because it's a great community. You'll just feel a bit more at home, like your family. Yeah, I mean, I love all my venues. You know, of course. But there's just something a little bit different. And in terms of charity events, that's the best venue. I mean, every year I do the World AIDS Day thing for, for Waverly Care and stuff like that. And um, not being able to do that this year was really strange because normally end of November, first week of December, I'm running around like a madman, like just sleeping for two hours, getting up, I've got shit to do, I've got to go out and collect this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to go and sell the furniture in this venue, I've got to go and, you know, and I'm like crazy. And this year I was just like, oh no, I'm too alone with my thoughts, I don't like it. <laughs> that was me in March, that was me. No, but Gary, we're so similar, that was me. I sat in my thoughts and went, oh God, I don't even think I like who I am anymore. I had a bit of an identity crisis and everyone's thoughts have felt the same, do you know what I mean? Yeah, this um, is so hard to be positive, isn't it, really, when, when stuff like that happens. But you have to. You can't look at all the negatives all the time. Um, so money's an issue. Shit. Have I got a roof? Yes. Have I got some food in? Yes. Well, that's fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What else do you need at the moment? Nobody's got anything properly going on at the moment. So if you can live comfortably somewhere warm and you can eat. Yes, yes you're okay. You know, you're okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just going to get stuck into that. Letha's Cabaret is going to come back in a big way. Um, I can guarantee it because <laughs> I'm yeah. desperate for it too. And yeah, back to hopefully what I was doing before, just with a, a slightly different appreciation for it and a slightly different outlook. And yeah. That's it. Where yeah. can people find you on uh, social media to kind of give yourself a shout out? Ooh, uh, well, on Facebook, uh, you can get my business up, The Roaming Quiz Man, because uh, I roam around hosting quizzes. That's where that comes from, obviously. Um, Instagram, at Roaming Quiz Man, and Twitter, at R Quiz Man, just a letter R and then Quiz Man. Um, Puppy on Speed is my private Instagram if you want to see some of the drag looks I've done, because I post them on there. Uh, don't ask me where that name comes from uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say puppy on speed is where you can find my nudes and I was like alright hon <laughs> oh, nope nobody wants nope <laughs> nobody wants that um, but yeah it's just the Roman quiz man um, I've got hopefully 
uh, YouTube channel coming soon as well to do with quizzes and different things. So we'll, that, that's an exciting project. I'm just waiting for equipment and certain licenses to come through to use certain things, mm -hmm. um, which takes a day and an age for these things to get sorted. And YouTube isn't the easiest platform to work with. But No, absolutely <laughs> not. When I sent you my performance for the thing you're requesting for performance, I put my Julepa cover on and within a minute it was taken down and I went, and I literally like put the rights, it's sort of the rights copyright thing in the description option, yeah. put that it was a cover of her song. Obviously people can see I don't look anything like Julepa in drag. <laughs> I'd like to think I do, but I actually don't. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, like, apparently like, and I was working professionally with a theatre company during summer and said to me, there's only like, there's sort of four artists you can't ever do in theatre that they can't get the rights for. Madonna, Justin Timberlake, Paul McCartney, and the Rolling Stones. And they are the four that you can't even touch. Yeah. It's nuts. And that's the YouTube, like, I'm doing deeper and deeper about Madonna and singing lessons. And I'm like, I can't even put it on YouTube. What's the fucking point? And it might get taken down. But she had said to me, because it's a key change, maybe it won't, the algorithm won't pick it up. Who knows? Crazy, isn't it? Letting, I mean, a lot of these things, the artists, the original artists will never see them. No. And they'll probably, if they did, they'll be like, ah, oh, cute. They wouldn't be that bothered, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. To be fair though, if I got famous and was dead pals with Madonna, I think if I even said to her, Hun, can I do a cover of your song on YouTube? She'd be like, no, you're not me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, it's not me. And if I'm not in it, you're not doing it. And I'd be like, all right, you'll calm down. <laughs> Before we go, um, it's been such a lovely discussion. It's also been lovely catching up with you. And you know that I'm literally around the corner from you if you ever need me. And yeah. in the front garden, booth, we'll need to get a catch up in person soon. Um, every episode, we have our infamous quote from our guest, who they, what they share with us on anything they like, and I would love for you to share your quote before we finish off. Cool. Um, work hard, play hard, treat everyone like your best friend until they tell you otherwise. Is what I would say. Treat just treat people with respect. Be be go out to the shop and say hi to the person working there as if you're saying hi to a friend you know just just be good people be nice to people um advice wise like for i know with the we have the quote but the advice for anybody thinking of dabbling in the arts world find your niche early and work hard at it don't give up because it doesn't work in the first five years don't give up because it doesn't work in the first 10 years. <laughs> Stick with it, work hard, find your niche, find your unique selling point and work at it, push it. Make people believe in it. And that's, that's about it. Thank you, Gary, that was inspiring. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on this episode, Gary. It's been a pleasure as always. No, it's been nice to do it. I've never done a podcast before. Hey. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, for, thank you for asking me on. Thank you for doing these podcasts as well because I think getting insights into people, some people that you've never met before, but you know of, you have these preconceptions of the type of person they are, but when you listen to things like this, you realise, whoa, I had you totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and that well, was the main point of it for me. That was it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I look forward to being sweaty on the dance floor with you at a rave soon. No, uh, just... Yeah, we'll do it in your front garden, bed nine, but uh, <laughs> let's just do it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this was such a lovely interview to do. I told Gary once we'd finished the recording 
that this was the first interview that actually had me in tears. You couldn't see it, and I'm glad because I'm a bad mess when I cry. But this was the first episode of 14 that did make me cry. That is no way favouring anyone before anyone listens and goes, oh, mine should have made you cry. Like, they all make me feel amazing things, but this one really pulled me at the heartstrings for many reasons. And the level of respect I have now for Gary after doing this is really up there with a lot of them. Me and Gary also talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of these episodes are showing people who people might actually be. I think we're very guilty of being presumptuous and kind of assuming things from other people through Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or through other people to side to gossip. About. And I'm thankful my podcast has managed to do that. And I've learned things about Gary that I never would have realised. And talking to an older member from the community, do not kill me for saying you're older though, Gary, considering you talked about so many amazing things um, from an older generation point of view really hit home. Love you loads, Gary. Do check out Gary on their social media handles that they provided and please try and book. Gary has got a Christmas quiz a week on Monday that me and my gal pals are going to be attending because it's something we can do together for Christmas. Please try check out his um, Facebook page to get more details. I've just been sent a link. I'm very excited to um, take part. I want to close with saying four positive traits of being a cancer. Loyal, protective, intuitive, caring. Those to me do sum up Gary perfectly. Thank you so much for joining me on Afternoon Delight for the Wednesday special. The third of the trio will be on Friday. I'm interviewing a journalist and BBC social presenter. Until then, stay safe. And remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local art.